This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Well, welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest, Dean Marash. Dean, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Greg. Yeah, thanks for being on this show. Well, before we find out what you're actually doing today, if you would, could you tell us, what did you want to be when you grew up? I think what I wanted to be uh, was determined when I was in high school. Oh, okay. I wanted okay. to be an aerospace engineer. Well, that was a, a result of... Just some classes I had in high school. I had a design class, you know, where you drafted on a board, which they don't do anymore. And drafting really uh, intrigued me. My father was very much into airplanes, and I thought, let's collide those two. And so I want to be an aeronautical engineer, and that's that's what I pursued, and I did my undergraduate education. Wow, that's that's pretty aspirational. So what was like one of those first classes that things started to click for you? You know, it's like any education. You, you go through your general ed, and uh, you're wondering if you did the right thing. But once you start getting into the discipline uh, within the degree, so I think the first class that really made it clear that I'd made the right decisions was aerodynamics. That was a fascinating class focused on the study of how do planes fly and what's the engineering behind it. Right, right. Yeah, I can imagine that's very interesting. Now, is it? Is, am I correct that if it looks like a teardrop, it's probably pretty aerodynamic? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think cars are probably as aerodynamic as planes are now, at least the performance ones. And so all you got to do is look at a modern Corvette or a, a Ferrari or any of those exotic cars, and you, you fully begin to understand um, how technologies evolve and wind tunnels have become as important for the auto manufacturers as it is for airplane uh, development and, and manufacturing. Yeah, that's really, really amazing. Well, if you could tell us, what was your first real job? Like maybe it was when you were in junior high or high school, one where you had a paycheck and felt like you had some responsibilities. Well, I remember my dad uh, told me, he said, look, you've got a car, which I put an engine in, and he said, that's great, but now you need insurance. And if you expect (laughs) me to pay for that, then you need to go out and get a job. I'm in a panic. So the first thing I had to do is figure out what. So my first real job was working as a prep cook in a, a local Italian restaurant. And not that I was qualified, and that didn't seem to matter. I just needed money. So right. I went in there and interviewed with this Italian lady, and she was pure Italian. And she said, what do you know about cooking? I said, well, I make breakfast, and uh, I can make uh, cookies. So that's what qualified me for that very first paycheck. That's awesome. And the fact you needed insurance for your car, that was the driver, right? That's right. I had to uh, get my old man to uh, front my insurance bill so that was a 64 ford galaxy 500 xl convertible wow and uh, I, I i could pay for gas and a few other things but you know like most kids i couldn't afford everything so that that was the deal i made with my dad cool well why don't you tell us what do you do for a living now you you wanted to be a aeronautical space engineer and what do you do today well it's a far cry from that i will tell you that but i own and operate a car storage business and it, within that business we store uh, vehicles for our customers, and they they run the gamut from exotics to classics to resto mods. 
our, our, our primary objective is just to uh, provide for the care and feeding of our customers' car collections. We're really the extra garage, uh, the, the man cave that they can't afford or they're not able to uh, put together. You alluded to that. How did you get there? Because uh, if I remember correctly, you actually went the aeronautical route. I did. So I went to um, school at San Jose State, got my aeronautical uh, degree, and went right to work at Northrop um, during the go-go days in the early 80s. Went to work on some pretty exciting programs like the B-2 bomber, F-18, and a few others, and got involved in manufacturing engineering. And that was, a, you know, it was very rewarding and fulfilling, and that's exactly what I wanted to do. But like so many other things, you're not sure if what you want to do is what you're good at or if that's, if that's going to be fulfilling. So it took me a long time to figure out if that's where I wanted to be. So I, I spent 16 years of my one chapter in my life in that industry but I moved I moved around so it gets a little convoluted because granted I went into that engineering role thinking that's what I wanted to be when I grew up but the company was so big you could bounce around so I went from for example manufacturing engineering to manufacturing to quality to um, program management so sometimes within large companies young people get an opportunity to move around and gain considerable breadth of experience that you wouldn't be able to gather in a small smaller firm right for example but you know, it took me, you know, a good part of 15 years and a, another degree. I got a master's degree, and I realized I wanted to be more involved in marketing and more involved in acquiring customers. When you work for a large company like that, you're so far removed from sales and marketing, especially in, in a company like Aerospace. I think the other thing that dawned on me, too, early on was, gosh, I'm a very social person. My son tells me that um, I never shut up, and I think he's right. <laughs> so well, I bring that up for an important reason, Greg, and I think your social style at work is such an important component of understanding uh, when you say, what do I want to do? What do I want to be? If those are in conflict with one another, let's say you want to be an engineer, but you're a very social person, that's probably not a good environment for you to uh, wind up being successful. The engineering role is very um, isolated. Right. So there's other things to for young people to really consider when they think about this this notion of, you know, uh, what do I aspire to be? Take stock of other things like social style, uh, environment. Do I want to be in a large company or a small Do I want to be in a, uh, a collaborative environment or do I want to be, you know, more in a, in a structured environment? Yeah, that's a really great point because if you think about someone who's very social and they find themselves crunching numbers behind a computer 24-7, they're not going to get as much fulfillment, you know, they're probably wanting to interact with customers or, you know, bring on some new clients, just that interaction piece. I could see that being something that they would really desire. I, I think the other thing that's important to share is that it takes time to figure this stuff out and it's okay. Right. And it's okay to take that time. How did you figure it out and what were the steps you took that ended up to where you are now? Well, I knew that I wanted to um, expand my uh, repertoire, uh, you know, from a work environment standpoint right and but i didn't know exactly what but i thought you know nothing nothing's better than gaining some additional education so i went back and got a master's degree um, at pepperdine university in uh, southern california beautiful campus and, oh yeah it's an awesome campus but i i just thought let's open let's open up my mind to what's going on in the rest of the world because again working in a company is pretty isolated you, you don't see the rest of the business world necessarily or you know what else there is out there so the best thing about school you know one of the best things anyway is finding out what else is going on out there so when you're in a master's program you're doing a lot of case studies for example harvard business case studies 
where you're looking at lessons learned from other companies. Great stuff. So you could be looking at different industries, different organizations, different roles in the um, pursuit of education. Once I completed my master's, it was clear that I wanted to be more on the business side, and marketing seemed to be a really uh, good direction for me to go. Right. Okay. Now, how far into your career were you at this point where you got your second master's degree and were looking at more of a marketing kind of role? I, I was probably 12, maybe 13 years into my aerospace career, and when I graduated, uh, it was clear that I wanted to join this, you know, this raging industry called high tech, which was really um, hitting on all cylinders in the late 90s. And so I had an opportunity when I um, graduated the program to segue out of, you know, the aerospace company into an, uh, this high tech world at, at a company called Quantum. Quantum built backup uh, database uh, management tools like disk base and tape based libraries. Not terribly sexy industry, <laughs> right. but a very Right, but a growing industry. <laughs> but backup was hot in the day, right? And so mm -hmm. was tech. And I just thought, and I jumped in with both feet. I had no experience in marketing. I had no experience in tech. But you know, for all the people that told me, "Hey, don't do that. Nobody's going to open that door. Nobody's going to let you in." Complete lie. But a lot of people believe that. So again, I encourage anybody that's pursuing something to be persistent and don't allow conventional wisdom to interrupt uh, dreams or pursuits of something that they're passionate about. I had no business getting into that industry or getting that job, but that didn't prevent me from getting it. Right, right. Yep. So how long were you in the in the tech sector? So I was in tech uh, essentially good for 13, 14 years. And similar to my experience in aerospace and engineering, um, I did a variety of marketing roles and, and really enjoyed it. I mean, I really felt like I had kind of landed in a space that was invigorating a lot of young people, a lot of people with education. Data was important, right? So the science of data management was really, really important. And, and uh, computers, all this uh, technology, whether it was software based on specific applications like marketing database software or whatever it was, was so intriguing and fascinating. So it was great to be involved. But again, like everything else, I think I had reached a level of satisfaction, uh, navigated you know, all those waters of large corporate, medium to small, the large corporations. And at some point, it became clear that it was time for me to find something that I was more passionate about. Right. Being, right. being good at it or being pretty good at something like I was, I was director of marketing. I was good and, and, and the money was good. So it enabled me to do the things I wanted to do in life. But at some point you realize, hey, something's missing, right? Right. And again, I go back to my education, and I think the education was awesome because at Pepperdine, we were really focused on entrepreneurship and, and uh, the importance of thinking like a business person, being an entrepreneur, even if you're in a large company. But I was always intrigued by that idea of, like, can a, a, court, a company man like myself become an entrepreneur? Right. And I think, again, conventional wisdom says, nah, you're either going to be uh, – and I, I think this, this is something that a lot of young people should think about – a lot of a lot of conventional wisdom suggests that either you're one or the other. And if you're an entrepreneur, it's because your family are entrepreneurs. So it's that same kind of bias, I would say, that, you know, people have to be careful not to be overly influenced by that. So for me, you know, I just thought, you know, let's re reinvent ourselves and go for this late 
chapter in my career life and go try to become an entrepreneur. And, and basically what, you did, what I did at that point is I took the benefits financially of all those years in high tech, and uh, I was able to use that as my capital. Right. So, again, it goes against conventional wisdom. People say, well, start when you're young. Absolutely. That makes sense. But you're actually in a better situation when you're older because now you've got operating capital. Now you've got uh, experience that you can bring. And so, arguably, you might have a better chance for success as an entrepreneur when you're older. Well, and you also sound like you're quite the networker just organically. And I know you're a car guy, so you probably had a lot of connections <laughs> before you even started up the business, I would imagine. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, I think when you're going to start something that you're passionate about, let's say it's a web business or you're going to be an entrepreneur, I think it's important to um, have some strong networking into that industry. For example, I was going to car shows and my buddies ran and managed car shows. So we were hanging around car geek every weekend anyway, and we knew the, the car community pretty well. And so, but just being a natural networker, Bringing those, you know, social skills, if you will, to the party, so important. Yeah, and you're a, a marketer for the last 15 years, so that has got to be a huge benefit for you. I think that's a great point. So what I didn't know, again, it's important for young people to understand that people like you and me, we don't know what we don't know. And so we go through the same process, young people, then we say, God, you know, do you think you got the skills? I went through the same process. I said, yeah, you know, I know marketing pretty well, but I've never carried a sales bag or I've never been a salesperson, never been a general manager, never owned and operated a company. So there's uh, those uh, things that are on your mind, right, wondering if you have enough of what it takes to be successful. Right. And so, again, just because you're worried about that doesn't mean that you can't overcome it. I think the marketing was my superpower and maybe my you know, like you said, networking or comms um, ability. But I think when you have some, you know, really long strengths, I think you can overcome your your, your weaknesses or, or areas that you really need to improve on uh, because you bring a, a unique skill set to, let's say, a, a business. Right. Now, if you would, tell us what is your typical week like with your, uh, your business there? <laughs> Love that question. Um, <laughs> every day is different. Um, my son is—he's here now five days a week, helping me manage the business. And when it first started out, it was me, myself, and myself, and uh, it was pretty quiet. But now we've got two buildings and you know, uh, eighty-five, ninety cars under management. And so our typical day is not typical at all. Every day is varied. If we were to say what what's um, fairly common during the course of a day, cars that are coming in, uh, either customers that are dropping them off, maybe you had them, enjoyed them for the weekend and they're bringing them back, or like a car show, a bunch of people, for example, this weekend went to a car show up at Lake Arrowhead, Big Bear, and mm -hmm. so they brought them back. So we're slowly starting them to come back. Marconi, there was a car show there, so some customers there. So people are bringing their cars back that have enjoyed them for a week or a few days. But what's great is every day it's a steady stream of cars either we haven't seen or cars we absolutely um, just enjoy seeing on a daily basis. And we get to share those cars with other customers or new customers. Uh, and, and so really it's a, it's an ongoing car show every day. <laughs> It's my kind of place. <laughs> yeah, and so people come in, they're buying a car because we also uh, consign vehicles. And they're like, oh, my God, look at that Ferrari. Oh, my gosh, look at that Porsche. So they get distracted, too, uh, even though they're here for a very specific purpose. So sometimes we're kind of uh, playing the docent at the uh, museum tour, you know, like walking around and showing right, cars. Right, right. But, you know, the dark, you know, the dirty side of this business is, yeah, there are days when we're selling cars. There's days when we're trying to figure out why a car won't start, trying to get it started with pumping up tires and moving cars by hand because they won't start and so it's not it's not always romantic uh but it's like anything else it's pretty right. cool though 
Our business is both physical. Our, our business is both uh, fun because we're around a bunch of cool cars and we get to drive them in and out of the building. And we're around car people, but in general, those people are pretty nice. Yeah. Even though many of them you know, are pretty well off, you'd be surprised at how uh, kind um, our clientele is in general. Right. Yeah, cars seem to bring everybody together one way or another. Right. So that's really cool. Well, cool. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. And if you're an educator or a student, you can search for podcasts by career cluster. So Dean, we learned what you wanted to be when you grew up and what you actually do today. So looking back, and if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? You know, I'd have to say that I, I don't think from a career standpoint, I would do much differently. I, and I say that because I think the journey is really what defines who we become and who we are. And I, I encourage everybody that stole this from somebody, so I won't, I won't take credit. But I think all of these experiences in life and in our career are building blocks. Whether it's success or failure or somewhere in between, these building blocks give us a unique perspective and give us a unique set of toolkit, if you will, that makes us uniquely us. And, you know, certainly I would have, I, I would have benefited by knowing that going into an engineering discipline it's very isolated. Um, and would that have changed my mind? I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great question. But I think that enjoy what you're doing is the most important part, even if it's not where you're ultimately heading. Apply yourself. Do the best you can. Don't be focused on that next thing. And that's, I think, where a lot of people get lost. It's like, okay, this isn't what I wanted for myself. This isn't what I imagined it to be. If you can do a little bit of Jedi, Jedi mind trick and say, I'm I'm going to make the best of this. I'm going to get the most I can out of this. That's the most important perspective because then you can capitalize on that experience. Right. So I, yeah. I, I guess the answer to the question is I wouldn't change a lot. Um, I think in my personal life I would change things, but in my career life, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, that's great knowing that, looking back, that you really wouldn't change anything. Well, cool. Well, let's talk to the student who wants to do what you do. Now you can say, you know, it's owning your own business. It could be an entrepreneur. It could be, you know, specific to what you actually do. What advice would you give them? So I think what's daunting for a lot of young people these days is just the pressure that's on them, um, whether that's parental, societal, or, um, you know, they're, they're, they're thinking in terms of the financial commitments that they're about to make or that their parents have made um, in education. And so that's overwhelming. I think what's important is for people to look at life as practice and work as practice. And don't look at it as, God, I can't make a mistake. A lot of people get frozen like, God, what do I want to be when I grow up? Wait a minute. I don't know. And it seems like everybody else around me does, you know. Right. And then right. the panic sits in. I'm like, well, there's something wrong with me. I don't know. Uh, right. You know, absolutely the wrong perspective. I think there are some savants. Right. There's, a, there's a unicorn in everything if we want to look hard enough. We've right. got to stop yeah. as kids and, and adults, quit looking at the unicorn, placing any expectation on ourselves. Go out, there, go, out, go out there and try. Go out there and explore. But don't be afraid to change. I think so many people are got to pick the right degree. You know, I've got to, I've got to declare a major. I've got to get to the best school. Well, no, no, you don't. What about um, being a journeyman? What about uh, working with your hands? We were just talking the other day with a neighboring business about how much the dock worker makes down here, picking up the um, containers and putting them on ships in Long Beach. They're they're making one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars a year. Wow. So so, I, but again, we're we're so obsessed with this notion of figuring out what we want to be when we grow up that that we we might lose sight of the uh, the opportunities that are presented to us. So look at it as more of an exploration and not 
uh, a very specific understanding of what I want to be. I think a lot, some people have the benefit of right out of the gate figuring that out, but that's the minority. Right. I totally agree with that. And I've done coming up on a hundred interviews and only two of them were direct lines to what they do today. All the others were only two. Wow. Yeah, isn't wow. that crazy? Yeah. It is crazy. Well, speaking of journeys, success largely depends on reliable transportation. And I'm a car guy, you're a car guy. And you've already told us what your first car was, which was what? A 1964 Ford Galaxy XL convertible? That's correct. What color? When I got it, it was white. But um, my friends teased me that every panel was a different color. Because <laughs> it was pretty beat up when I got it. So I, I went to the junkyard on weekends and um, panels from different cars so it might have had five or six different colors on it. but by the time it was done it was blue i had it okay um, and so it was a beautiful uh, blue metallic and it was a convertible so when i was awesome. done it was a pretty awesome car yeah now that's great well what's your dream car right now we've got a uh, 1957 bonneville convertible uh, that's just exceptional it's a pontiac made these cars for every dealer and and so there was only 620 of them made just a beautiful car that's something different that you you probably won't see and it just pushes all the buttons for me so i'm I'm still a guy that's got his heart in the classics that's a perfect example of a car that i love you know i also uh am very intrigued by these um, modern exotic cars too we've got a mclaren 720s in here it's it's a metallic yellow and it's absolutely gorgeous, but super fast car. You get inside that car, and it feels like you're in some kind of a game, gaming environment. <laughs> it doesn't feel like you're in an automobile. One part of my business that's really cool is we get to experience these cars, and we don't have to buy them. Right. That's nice. <laughs> well, one great perk to some jobs is company cars. So if I had all the money in the world, I'd love to buy you a cool company car based on your job. And so... I went to your website and I saw that you put, you wanted to create an experience and destination for customers who periodically need to decompress in a purpose-built car environment. So I thought, what car would help you, like, would be so involved and all-encompassing, it would kind of take you away, where you could decompress. So I was kind of trying to go along those same lines. And I thought, you're in Southern California. So the car I came up with you is an old car, but it wasn't built until 1989. So I picked for you a 1932 SoCal Roadster that was built in 1998 as one of the SoCal, SoCal commemorative cars. So it's a 32 Deuce Ford, but it has the uh, red and white scheme I know you're familiar with. So that's the car I'd buy for you. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. We've, we've had the opportunity to store and sell a number of Deuce Coupes, and I've got one in the back that's under construction that my son likes to tease me that I'll never get built. I've got a frame <laughs> and an engine and wheels. And the only thing I'm missing on that is a body, something that's oh. the 32 Ford. But I've got everything but. So I think I'll look for that red and white body to top, put on top of that and get going on that project. But I belong to a car club down in Dana Point, and, man, all those guys have some beautiful roadsters that they've dropped every penny of their life savings into. And that's the SoCal lifestyle right there. You nailed it. Yeah, and what's so great about this particular car is you could use it as your company car because you don't have to rename it or anything. It already says so Right. It, so. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Write it off. Business expense. <laughs> right. We're always looking for those. Well, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey today. What's the best way our listeners can learn more about you and your company? Well, they can go on to our website at socalcarstorage.com. 
and there's all kinds of good stuff. There's a, there's a video out there as well as some audio uh, on myself and the kind of the origin of the company. But uh, encourage them to get on there, kick the tires on that, and uh, or give us a call if they want to talk more and more details. I always make myself available for any young person that's looking for a little bit of help. That's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you letting them reach out to you that way. Well, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey today, Dean. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at Greg Stanley LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.